This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Divine Mercy Radio is pleased to once again have Noel Garcia on this week's One Body Show. One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Advent, is it a time to forgive? One Body. Let's find out. Here's speaker and recording artist Noel Garcia. Hi, this is Noel Garcia with World Library Publications. And today, with the holidays coming up and with the election just over, I want to talk about forgiveness. Um, maybe you laughed to yourself a little bit when we um, were talking about forgiveness in the context of a very heated election coming to a fiery end, literally. Um, but I think it's appropriate for a number of reasons, and we're going to get into that um, in the next 45 minutes or so. And then we're also going to set the stage for the upcoming holidays. And I know that the holiday time is a time where family and friends that we haven't seen for a while come together or don't come together, um, where people wait with bated breath for the next family feud or who's going to talk to who and who's going to create what drama. And so we're going to talk a little bit about, about our struggles and our call to forgive. But let's talk about um, the election first of all. So I made a commitment on Tuesday morning of the election to fast from social media, which I have kept that fast. It's a few days afterwards, and I'm going to keep it until Monday. So about a six-day fast from social media. And one of the reasons why I decided to do that was leading up to the election, I saw so many um, good, decent, kind, faithful, and holy people turn into raving lunatics. Um, you may be able to relate to this, but people just went crazy, um, insulting and yelling and, and um, posting hateful and inappropriate comments and articles and memes and things that weren't even true were getting circulated. And then when you said they weren't true, then people said they didn't care. It didn't matter. And so-and-so is the devil. And this person is is the devil. And it was so outrageous to me how this election had turned so utterly hateful. Not just that we are passionate about what we believe in, but that that passion turned into hatred it was very disconcerting for me. And I had to take a, a step or two back and focus on uh, what our, our wonderful pastor uh, had shared with us. Father Wesley Shavi had this awesome video that actually went viral about having hope during the election that he specifically said, you know, why should we be surprised with the two leaders that we were forced to choose between when with their their maybe um, immoral uh, lifestyles or lying or scandals or whatever they were involved with? Why should we be surprised by those kinds of things when we have a culture that not only is involved in these kinds of sinful behaviors, but that promotes it? We turn a blind eye to it on a day-to-day -day basis, gossip and lies and um, insults, uh, disrespect of one another, 
we we as a culture tend to promote this kind of behavior. So we shouldn't be surprised that if we live an ungodly life, that we would have ungodly leaders to represent us. However, I know that a lot of people have a lot of hope with the results of the election, and I pray that that we take that positivity, or whether if you were disappointed in the outcome of the election, that you also would uh, grasp onto the hope that is in God, not in our our leaders. So, I took a step back from social media. I I know that um, several people were waiting to to talk about the results of the election with me. And I said, you know, I, I need a break. Uh, when I see things that are hateful or things that um, blatantly promote uh, agenda items that are starkly and drastically against our faith from fellow Catholics that claim to be fully and 100% living in the Catholic faith, I really have to take pause and and take a breath and say, you know, arguing may or may not help this situation. I need to pray about this if I need to say a word or if I need to say a prayer. And those are uh, situations that I knew I needed a break from. Um, Many people had said and done very many things um, that require forgiveness from this election. If you or I were one of the ones that posted something that was hateful, or we shared our view in a hateful way or an insulting way, or called somebody, you know, foolish or stupid for believing in a certain idea or, or for following a certain teaching of the Catholic Church that we did or did not agree with, um, or did not follow a teaching, I should say, did not follow a teaching of the Catholic Church. We have to really evaluate now that, that the election is over our own Christian behavior, so my kids, they are ages six, five, three, and one. And when we teach them about forgiveness, we started doing um, nighttime prayers. And what we wanted to do was model thankfulness and forgiveness in particular in our, in our prayer life. So in our nighttime prayers, we would say, you know, what is something that you're thankful for? And then we would say, what is something that you need forgiveness for? And what is something you want to praise God for? And what is something that you need to pray for for somebody else? So those were, that was kind of our model for um, praying with our kids. So one day we were saying our prayers and we got to the part about, you know, apologizing for, for our sins. And my son, who's six now, he said, well... I don't think I have anything to apologize for. And I said, well, let's go back and think about your day. Did you fight with your sister? Yes. Did you disobey your mom? Yes. Did you get into the kitchen and get food without permission? So that's kind of like stealing, right? Yes. You know, we went back through his day. And then he realized some of the things that he didn't really notice or couldn't remember um, that he needed to ask forgiveness for. And so he did. And then I was going through and I said for myself, dear Lord, you know, I'm sorry for when I was impatient. I'm sorry for losing my temper. 
And my son goes, and you're sorry for yelling at us. And you're sorry for putting us in timeout. And I said, okay, I, I am sorry for yelling at you. I'm not sorry for putting you in timeout because that was the consequence that you, you earned for your behavior. But I am sorry that I yelled at you. And we kind of laughed. My husband and I kind of laughed as our kids were pointing out our sins now. Um, it was a little dose of humility for ourselves. Um, but for our kids and for us, it was an opportunity to point out and to reflect on behaviors that weren't um, ideal, behaviors that weren't holy, behaviors that hurt somebody, even though we may or may not have intended that hurt. And I know that apologizing for my sins is something that I don't do often enough. I will think over my day and and try to apologize for my sins, but a lot of my days I'm just home with the kids. I don't have anything exciting. I don't have a lot of interaction that I would say is particularly challenging other than with the kids. And so my sins kind of tend to be the same um, in those in those day-to-day routines of, yes, I lost my patient, yet I lost my temper. I, you know, didn't do as much work as I could have done or should have done, or I was lazy or I was gluttonous. Those kinds of things kind of tend to be the same for me. And so when it gets so much the same, sometimes I kind of get into this state of being lukewarm. Well, I haven't done anything really bad. You know, it's just the same old, same old things. And I start to tell myself and do this self-talk like, well, you know, it's okay. You don't, you don't really need to go to confession this week. You know, it's no big deal. You don't have any, any great sins. But what ends up happening is as those sins start to accumulate, I start to feel like I really have a lot weighing on me. It's kind of like if you go for a few days without an opportunity to take a shower. Like the first couple days, maybe you're okay and you're able to to mask your um, sweat or smell or or clean up the best that you can. But then after a while, you need a shower. <laughs> There's no getting around it. You need a shower. And it might not be that you jumped in a mud puddle, but the day-to-day activities start to become to a point where you have accumulated just dirt and grime and um, sweat and particles from the air, dust, whatever it may be. So this accumulation eventually starts to affect you. It starts to affect your view of yourself. It starts to affect your relationship with others because they don't want to be around you because you stink. In the same way it is with our sins, even if they're venial sins, as they accumulate and as we don't deal with them and as we don't get to the root of why we are committing these same sins over and over again, and as we don't even maybe think we need to start working on um, not committing these venial sins, it just starts to weigh on us. It starts to affect the way that we view ourselves. It starts to affect the way that we see others because we start to see others through that dirt. We start to see others through the lens of 
of sin that we have, our own self-criticism. In psychology, it's called projection. When you project your emotions and your feelings onto other people. Well, as these sins start to accumulate, we do project that onto other people. Um, Once we go to confession, even though it might seem minute, some of the things that are habitual sins that maybe in the grand scheme of things don't seem that big. But as we go to confession, it's a chance to be completely washed clean. So thinking back, tying, you know, this, this concept into our interactions from this election, you may have been right in everything that you said may have been true. And everything that you said may have been representative, representative of church teaching. But the spirit in which it was conveyed was that in the spirit of evangelization? Was it in the spirit of truth and love? Not truth or love, but truth and love. Was it in the spirit of kindness and generosity? A spirit of wanting this person to um, come to a deeper faith or a deeper understanding of a tenant of the faith or a deeper passion for fighting for this particular tenant of the faith? Or was it in a spirit of pride, a spirit of self-serving, a spirit of judging, a spirit of arrogance, where I know that I have the truth and I'm going to shove it in your face. That's kind of the way that I view pride and arrogance is slightly different. This pride is is a little more self and arrogance is a little more violent towards another. That's, that's how I um, distinguish between the two in my own prayer. So when we think back on our behavior, do we have some things that we need to apologize for? Are there some maybe articles that we need to take down because they're they're not unitive, they're intentionally divisive and hurtful? I heard a great comment about somebody who said, you know, even if your guy won, the other guy, the people who supported the other guy have some very real fears And those fears should be acknowledged. And that we should say as Christians, I understand that you're afraid that your country is going to become a a racist country that, you know, marginalizes minorities. Maybe that's one of their fears. Well, as Christians, we need to say, if that happens, I will stand alongside of you. I will fight that with you. Um, it's, it's not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen. We're going to do everything we can not to let it happen. But we're going to stand for what's right and what is true. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I thought that that was a beautiful perspective because it's truly a way of reconciliation to reach out and say, you know, I, I know we've disagreed But I promise that I'm going to fight for your rights and I'm going to respect you. I'm going to make sure that your dignity is upheld. I thought that was um, such a fresh message. So moving into um, the holidays coming up, I heard this awesome analogy and I may have shared it before, but um, I heard this awesome analogy where somebody said, you know, If I gave you a glass of water and I said, could you hold this for just a second? You could probably hold it for a second. No problem. You'd probably be 
you know, very um, willing to hold it. If I said, could you hold this glass of water for, you know, five minutes? You might be a little put off, but you'd probably do it because you were a good friend and um, you were just trying to help. If I asked you to hold it all day, could you do it? You'd probably be pretty tired by the end of the day. But by the time the end of the day came around, you'd probably be relieved to put it down, but you'd be, you'd be okay. What if I asked you to hold it for a week? Well, that's when it starts to become torture. Your muscles would start to shake. Your hand would start to go weak. Your circulation wouldn't be very good. It'd be tiring. You might get a headache from straining all your different other muscles to compensate for that muscle, those muscles that are holding that cup. It might start to ache. It might cause you stress. But that cup doesn't weigh very much. What mattered wasn't how much the cup weighed. What mattered was how long you held on to it. Some of us have had family feuds that have gone on for a very long time. And you may or may not be able to remember what that feud was about. Only that you've been holding on to it for a very long time. So your Thanksgivings and your Christmases become very tainted. They become painful. They become stressful. They may give you a headache. They may cause you anxiety. It may raise your blood pressure. And it's not because you're sitting down to eat a turkey dinner with family. It's because of something that you've held on to for a very long time. The Bible says that if somebody has offended you, you go to your brother and you go directly to them to work it out. And if you can't, then you bring somebody else in. But then later also in the Bible, it says if you have offended somebody, you go to them. So in both cases, it's your responsibility to mend the relationship. I thought this was so interesting. Um, Sister Ann Shields from uh, Michigan, she has a lot of beautiful writings and devotionals. She gave a retreat one time that I, I went on when I was working um, as the director of music and evangelization for a parish in Michigan. And um, she said, uh, somebody said, you know, how do you resolve conflict in your workplace? And she said, you do just what the Bible says. If you have offended your brother, you go and mend the relationship. If your brother has offended you, you go and mend the relationship. The responsibility doesn't lie with somebody else. It lies with you. And I was thinking about this also um, in the context of mercy and our year of mercy. And I've mentioned before that um, Pope Francis refers to mercy in, in his book on his name is Mercy. He refers to mercy as anticipating one's need. So we, just like God did, God anticipated our need for forgiveness. So when we say, you know, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us in, our, in the Our Father, we say, forgive us our trespasses. Well, how has He forgiven our trespasses? He has anticipated our need for forgiveness. 
and so he sent his son to die for us on the cross. He knows that we need to be forgiven. He knows that we need to be reconciled unto him. Even before we existed, he knew we need to be reconciled to him. Well, we're saying, God, forgive us as we forgive one another. Well, how are we to forgive one another? Just as he did, that we anticipate their need for forgiveness. And that doesn't mean like, I know occasionally I've gotten into a fight with my husband. I know it happens once in a while. Um, So a lot, actually, it happens a lot. So one time I remember that we were fighting and I don't remember what the fight was about as is usually the case, but I went to him and I said, I forgive you. And I said it in such a way that, you know, he didn't apologize. He hadn't apologized yet or anything, but I said it in a very haughty and self-righteous way where, oh, well, I forgive you because I knew that, um, that he was in the wrong, of course, and that I was in the right. So, but the way that I said that, first of all, I wasn't really imparting forgiveness because I was still super um, angry and wanting revenge. But I did, uh, in a way, reveal kind of a twisted version of this truth that I knew that he, something that he had done had offended me. I knew that there needed to be forgiveness. But I could have done it and I should have done it, and I eventually did do it in a more charitable way, a loving way, and a way that invited him to reconciliation with me. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about Advent, A Time to Forgive with Noel Garcia. This is Christian Lutz, owner of Schmidt Monument Works. We are proud to support this One Body show because it enables us to open up scripture, understand the theology of the body, and how we are all temples of the Holy Spirit. At Schmidt Monument Works, we can help to create a memorial stone for the lives of your loved ones that will be seen for generations. Do not be afraid, I am with you. Please remember to pray for all the souls of our faithful departed brothers and sisters. By name I call you, come to me. By name I call you, back to where you long to be. You are mine, you are precious to me. SchmidtMonumentWorks.com on One Body Stewarding God's Creation with speaker and recording artist Noel Garcia talking about Advent. A Time to Forgive And now, here's Noelle. There are family members, probably, I'm sure, every family has them, has these 
skeletons in the closet or these uh, grudges and, and drama and things like that. It's not worth it. Oh my goodness. I always go back to um, Immaculée Labagiza. And if you've never heard of her or you never have read her writings, please do look her up right now. Um, her name is Immaculée Labagiza. And she wrote a New York Times bestseller called Left to Tell. And Left to Tell is about her survival of the Rwandan genocide, where she spent several weeks, I think, well, you know, I think it was actually three months in a bathroom with six other women hiding um, while her whole family, except for one brother, were murdered. And they were murdered by neighbors, friends, family in the um, opposite tribe. She was in the Tutsi tribe and the um, genocide was started and carried out by the Hutu tribe. So the Hutus wiped out millions of uh, Tutsi people with machetes and um, all kinds of horrid, horrid um, murders. Well, through much, much prayer, and I'm doing a disservice to her story by summing it up so quickly, but through much prayer, she was able to forgive her family's murderers. She was able to be set free from that. And I had her, uh, invited her to come and speak at my parish in Michigan. And they show a little introduction video as part of her presentation. And the introduction video, she's seen hugging one of the murderers of her family and asking how he's doing. They have a short conversation. And one of her friends who was from the United States said, what are you doing? You know, that, that person just murdered your family. And she said, it's okay. It's okay. And he breaks down crying and he says, but it's not okay. It's not okay. If she can forgive her, her family's murderers, man, who am I? If Jesus can forgive us, who am I to withhold forgiveness? Why? Does it make me feel better? No. Does it hurt the other person? Not necessarily. Who am I to withhold forgiveness? If you're really struggling to prepare for the holidays and knowing um, the different people that are going to come up in your life that are going to bring up memories, both good and bad, and you're not free to love them because you still have been holding on to an offense, or if you are the one that's offended somebody and you are the one that feels awkward about um, reconciliation, I really encourage you to read Left to Tell. I really think that um, it'll change your perspective on why it's important to impart the forgiveness, not just for their sake, but for your sake that you can be free. Not long ago, my husband and I had a friend who came over to our house pretty frequently. We thought that he seemed like a perfectly nice gentleman, but I did think it was a little unusual how much time he wanted to spend with our family, considering we have four crazy kids. Well, not long after our friendship, we discovered that well, we didn't discover it. Rather, we got a phone call that he was basically um, heading to prison because of an addiction to child pornography. This crushed both my husband and I, not just because 
we felt it was such a dark secret that he was carrying such a horrible sin and crime. But because we felt that we had put our own children at risk, we couldn't believe it. We had studied protecting God's children. We have studied psychology. We've studied other cases. And we just, when when we actually sat down to talk about it, we could remember different things that weren't red flags, but things that just didn't seem quite right with this um, man in this in this relationship. But I had just had my fourth child. I was already extremely emotional. And I cannot tell you just how agonizing it was to try to think, was there ever an opportunity that he was alone with one of our kids, that he could have done something? I was going out of my mind crazy. I cried every day, all day. Anytime the subject was brought up, I just would melt into tears. And I knew that I needed to be free from this. I knew that I needed to ask for forgiveness, for not paying attention to the signs, for being careless with my kids. But then I also needed to um, forgive him. I needed to forgive him for anything he may have thought about doing possibly done that we didn't and will never know about, and for all of the other children that he had harmed through his viewing of child pornography. So I called up a friend who was a very powerful um, intercessor. It's one of his gifts. He's just a fantastic intercessor. And I said, I need to be free from this. I need to forgive this man. But I'm so angry and I want to give him a piece of my mind so badly. I don't think he's realized what he's done. I don't think he's realized the children that he's hurt and their parents. And I'm afraid that maybe he's done something to my kids. Although there was no, there's been no evidence, I should say that. There's been no evidence. Our kids are fine. Um, we even spoke with the authorities. And there it seems like we, we are very, um, very lucky very blessed. So we talked to, um, I talked to this friend of mine and I said, can you please help me to ask God's forgiveness that I could forgive him through the forgiveness of God? Because I can't by my own power, I cannot forgive him. I know that I don't have it in me. And so we, we very systematically went through and prayed for forgiveness We prayed in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I forgive this man for bringing child pornography on his devices into my home. In the name of Jesus, I forgive this man for possibly being a risk to my children. In the name of Jesus, I forgive myself for not paying attention to some of the signs that I feel like I should have paid attention to. In the name of Jesus, I forgive this man for all of the, the sins that he's committed against children. In Jesus' name, I pray for this man that he can be free from this. In Jesus' name, I pray for the children and the parents who have suffered from this horrendous, horrendous crime and sin. And as I went to systematically going through each one of these these items 
that very specific, very specific situations, specific words, specific actions, specific scenarios, I began to start to feel peace very gradually. And then I began to renounce the lies that I had believed. In the name of Jesus, I renounce the lie that this is in any way my fault. In Jesus' name, I renounce the lie that I'm not a good mom. In Jesus' name, I ask forgiveness and I forgive myself for any possible way that I put my children at risk or didn't pay attention or wasn't as vigilant as I should have been. But in Jesus' name, I renounce the lie that this is my doing. In Jesus' name, I renounce the lie that I can't open my home up anymore. And I began to, in Jesus' name, renounce these different lies that were starting to seep in. These different lies that I was a, a bad mom. The different lies that, that this man was evil. Because he's not evil. He's done some very, very evil things. But he is a child of God. And God wants nothing more than this man to be reconciled to him. It's hard to believe sometimes the sins that we see in others, the sins that we ourselves commit, that God wants nothing more than for us to be reconciled to him. And so my prayer after I began, after I finished going through all of these, this prayer with the help of a friend, after I went through all of this, I was able to start praying for him, for this man. God, please use this time in prison to heal him from this addiction, to heal him from whatever wounds have led him to this addiction. I ask for all of you, as we go into this, um, this season, to not worry so much about the gifts, the giving of the gifts, and let's work on giving our mercy, forgiving Let's work on mending those broken relationships. Because the, you know, when we think of mission, we think of ministry, a lot of times we think about people outside. People, you know, maybe down at the homeless shelter or people that are standing on the street corner asking for help or um, people that come to our religious education classes or people that uh, don't know God. But ministry and mission begin at home. God's not going to ask you, and this is my, my personal belief, that I don't believe that when I die that God is going to say, you know, you sure were awesome at forgiving so many people. So I'm going to overlook the fact that you didn't forgive your own family member. Are you sure we're good at loving those strangers? But the people that that were closest to you, you didn't love. But that's okay because you did a lot of great things for, for all these strangers. No, we are surrounded by the people in our family and in our friends and in our workplaces, our immediate circles, because those are the people that we're supposed to get to heaven and they're supposed to get us to heaven. That's our mission. That's our ministry. It begins right at home. It begins with our family. It's not somewhere out there that we do mission and do ministry and live as disciples and evangelists. It's within our family. And people say all the time, oh, you know, my, you know, brother or sister, they just won't listen to me. Well, that's okay. They don't have to listen to you. Maybe you need to stop talking and maybe you need to listen. Maybe you need to ask questions and maybe you need to pray and fast. 
This past weekend, I was speaking at a conference in San Antonio, and one of the keynote speakers was Eduardo Verastegui, and he was the star of Bella. Um, He has such a powerful witness and testimony about how he gave up his um, sinful Hollywood life and began to do Christian music and movies. And he basically says, you know, I I gave up doing anything that was offensive to God in film, and I didn't work for four years until I started to make my own films. He started to go to daily mass and rosary and pray the rosary every day. And, you know, if you haven't heard his his witness, um, anytime you get a chance to, it's just fantastic. But what led him to this was an English coach that was helping him to lose his accent because he's a Mexican actor and he had his he has a very thick um, accent. And so he wanted to be able to take more roles, but he needed to lose his accent so that he could be open to more roles. So this English teacher, in order to practice English with him, was giving him different questions that he says she used the Socratic method with him. And she would say, what is the meaning of life? What kind of man are you? What kind of man do you want for your future daughter? And are you that man? As he began to answer these questions, he began to discover his faith. He began to ask the deeper questions himself. What is the meaning of life? Why am I not this man that I want for my future daughter when these women in these films are somebody's daughter? Why am I not that man? How can I be that man? And so he started to go to to daily mass to avoid using women and... um, Going to con- he was going to confession on a regular basis. So sometimes what our family and friends need isn't our preaching. Sometimes they need our loving support and us to ask questions and us to listen. So just to, to conclude for today, my prayer for you and myself is that we will go into this Christmas reconciled to one another, that we will take a step back Let the past be in the past. Move forward and anticipate one another's need for forgiveness. And that if we can't do it by our own power, that we would ask God to forgive through us. If we can't love by our own power, that we will ask God to love through us. So God bless you. And I pray uh, for you every day. Please pray for me too. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, we ask that you help us to be true to the prayer that we say, that you taught us in the Our Father, that we will forgive one another as you forgive us, that we will anticipate one another's need for mercy as you anticipate ours. And by your grace, help us to see our flaws, our faults, our sins, to be honest with ourselves and to come to you for reconciliation and for forgiveness so that we can be made clean and be made whole again. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to this week's One Body Show, Stewarding God's Creation. If you would like to comment on today's One Body Show, please go to dvmercy.com and click on the One Body icon. If you can help support this One Body Show or help Divine Mercy Radio pay the monthly bills, 
please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 88.1 KVDM Hayes and 88.1 KRTT Great Band. If today you hear his voice, pardon not your hearts. One body. 